And so I'm, I'm really excited to, to jump into uh, the year. Uh, I'm excited to jump into this series. Jay did a great job last week in kicking it off. Um, but I, I, I too, truly believe with all my heart that 2016 is going to be a great year. How many of you, how many of you believe that? You just believe, I, I just believe that. I, 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 for our church, for individuals, for maybe for you, maybe for your marriage, maybe for your kids, maybe for your family. I just believe it's going to be a great year. And, and maybe this year, and this is kind of the, the undercurrent of what we're talking about with this series, you'll find wind under your wings. You'll really begin to soar. You'll really begin to fly, if you will, in what God has for you. And I believe we all want to rise above the clouds of life. I believe that that's in every one of our hearts. I don't think there's a person in this room that says, I want to stay grounded and stuck the rest of my life. I don't think that's part of anybody's dream. I believe we all want to soar, we all want to fly, and we want to experience what it means to truly be what God created us to be. And so I'm excited about that. But, but and here's the but, for many of us, we're, we're struggling just to rise above the junk you know, and maybe last year, 2015, was a year of junk. It was the year of just a lot of garbage in your life, just a lot of stuff. It was just a lot of heartache and maybe headaches and just different things that were just difficult. And, and if you were really honest, you would just say, I just got a lot of junk happening. But yet, I think God maybe wants to do something new. And so that's where I think a lot of us are. We want to experience that different thing that God has for us. And so in this series, we're focusing on the things that create wind or lift under our wings so we can truly soar. That's, that's what we're talking about. We're trying to figure out how, how can I have in relationship to God this incredible experience or, or walk or journey with him that actually allows me to get airborne, if you will, and, and fly above all the junk and the crap in my life. And so somehow that would happen. So here's our key text, and it's Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 31, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, But those who trust, can you guys all say trust with me? Trust. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength, and they will soar high on wings like eagles. That's where we're getting this whole series ideas from that phrase right there. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And it's interesting, the idea of run is, you know, if you've ever run, I don't run. I, I, I do land speed elliptical things, but I don't do uh, running at all. It's not in my skill level. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but when you run, you know, that's the idea that you can easily get tired. And so it's talking about this idea that we can have this experience with God that we don't have to always be tired. Or a walking idea, the idea is the journey of life and that we don't want to give up on it. And so all of that is in there. So here's the question, though. What will it take for you to soar this year? What will it take for you to soar this year? What's going to have to change? What's going to have to take place in your life to catch some wind and get some, some spiritual, God-originated wind beneath your wings and lift up a bunch above all the stuff and actually soar? What's it going to take? What's it going to be in your life? And it says, I think, in our, in our text here, according to Isaiah 40, the wind is with those who trust in the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord. It's, it's almost as though the first step is trust. The first step is, Lord, I don't know how it's going to happen, but you're going to make it happen. The first step is, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't really understand everything. I can't see everything clearly, but I trust you to make it happen. 
And so this idea of trusting the Lord in it, and then it goes on, and there's all these promises in our text. They will, they will find new strength. They will soar high. They will run. They will walk. And so it's all connected to this idea that I trust him. And so maybe this year, if nothing else, this is the year that you started trusting God like never before, that you would just trust him. You trust him in your marriage, and you would trust him in, in your kids, and, and maybe in your job and your finances, and you just trust him in your own heart. You just say, I trust you. And out of that, maybe would come alive this idea of soaring. And so if soaring is connected then to the trusting, how do we trust in the Lord? How do, how do we trust in the Lord? How, how does that happen? And again, I said, uh, Jake kicked it off last week, and he did a great job. He kicked off this series with one of the ways that we find wind beneath our wings, and we trust in the Lord, and it's this. We allow the Word of God to breathe into and through our lives daily. And, and by the way, the Word of God is the number one catalyst to your spiritual growth. The Word of God. So the, the more often that you're reading Scripture, that's why we keep pounding on it. That's why we put further reading every week in the notes. That's why we keep saying, hey, get in the Word, get in the Word, get in the Word, because it's the number one catalyst to your spiritual growth. In other words, the very breath of God comes through the Word of God. The very wind of God comes as I read His Scripture and allow it to penetrate my heart. And so that's, that's the first step. And so Jay kicked that off. But today I want to look at another way that we can find wind beneath our wings and trust the Lord. And, and it's with prayer and fasting. Now, prayer and fasting. How, how many of you hear that and you just get excited? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. You know, you mentioned prayer and fasting. Everybody goes, oh, great. This is not the day I want to be at church. But, but prayer and fasting is, is this powerful, uplifting idea that God has created for connection with him. And so it's this incredible opportunity that you and I have to connect with the God of the universe. That God said, this is, that he said, I'm going to reveal myself in my word, but I'm also going to be available with my ear to hear your prayers and see your life and respond to that and connection relationally. All of that involves that. Now, I just want to share this. Nearly every life-changing moment I've had with God has been related to prayer in some shape or form. When I gave my life to the Lord when I was 16, when I returned to the Lord after four years of drunken stupor, it was because of prayer. There was a prayer moment. There was something happening because of this interaction with God. And, 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 I, and this thought just came to my mind. I remember right before I gave my life back to the Lord when I was 20, my mom and my uncle, who were driving me crazy, and to this day they still drive me a little crazy, but... They, they would come up to me, and they would point a finger at me, and they would say, we're praying for you. You don't have a chance. I'm like, what are you talking about? No, we're praying that you would see that the Lord loves you beyond any thought or imagination that you would ever have. We're praying that God would get a hold of your hearts, and I would just say, man, get out of here. Leave me alone. But the answer of those prayers, I believe, is what changed my life, that God was hearing those prayers. And then, you know, when I ended up giving my life to, to the Lord, my first experience after giving my life to the Lord is Jennifer and I, we went for a month-long internship in the inner city of Chicago. And when we were in Chicago, we were in the area called Cabrini Green. Have anybody ever heard of Cabrini Green? Real nice neighborhood. 
<laughs> it was one of the, for years, it was the worst neighborhood in the country for violence and drugs. It had this huge high-rise buildings, and, and it, was, it was a dangerous, dangerous place. Well, there was tons of kids there, and the ministry that we went and worked with, they literally had a building across the street from these huge high-rise projects, if you will. And in that building, they began to gather young people. They got kids and youth that, that didn't want to be the same way and see life the same way that they've always experienced it. And, and the, the pastor there, a friend of mine, his name is Dan. And Dan, Dan, before this big outreach that we were going to be a part of, challenged all the young people. And we're talking people that were elementary age up to high school age to fast and pray for 21 days before this happened. So we're talking little kids that were setting aside time to fast and pray. And you know what they were praying for? They were praying for their moms, their brothers, their sisters, their uncles. They were praying for their community that somehow, some way, in the midst of all that darkness that was happening in Cabrini Green, that God would shine a light. And, I, and, and, this, and it rocked my world. And this is what rocked my world. So we get there, and what was happening is they had this huge courtyard in the middle of all these projects. So you're, if you can picture it, there's there's probably 10 buildings that are probably 10 to 15 stories high and just tons of people. But in the middle of it was this big open grass, kind of not really grass, but really kind of rough looking area that was kind of the, where you kicked the balls around and there was a couple basketball courts and stuff like that. Well, in the middle of that, they set up a stage and they were going to have a, a worship time and they were going to have a speaker and they were going to show a movie and they were going to do all this stuff in the middle of this big area. And so what they did, though, is Dan had all these kids. There was about 30 of these kids. We're talking, again, little kids from 6, 7, 8 years old up to 18, 19 years old. And, they, and he said, you know what? We've asked the kids of this community, this hardcore community, to be in prayer that somehow tonight things would change in your life. And I'm watching this. I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool that little kids would actually commit to prayer. And so they get up there and say, okay, kids, I want you to come up on the stage. And so they had all of them gather, and they came up on the stage. And, and, it was, and Dan kind of looked at him, and he goes, he, and this is what he said. He said, okay, kids, now. And all of a sudden, every one of those kids started praying like their life depended on it, that God would do something in that place. And I'm standing there, and I'm watching this. I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of like, whoa, what the heck? What's going on here? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, it was like a light from heaven was beaming down on that stage. I mean, it was, it was intense. I mean, I was like, whoa. I mean, it was like, whoa, like this. I mean, I was kind of freaking out a little bit. I was like, what, what's going on here? I mean, th- these kids, and for about 10 minutes, they prayed like you never heard prayer before. They, they yelled and screamed and said, oh, God, would you please? And they were crying. They were saying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. They were crying out to the Lord after 21 days of fasting and prayer for their families, for their uncles, for their aunts. And this is what happened. I looked around and I noticed that things were beginning to happen all the way around this whole community. All of a sudden, I, could, I actually seen men that had 40s, you know, in their hands, set them down and just walk over and kneel at the stage. I actually start seeing growing men and women and people come and just surrender their lives to Christ. Not a word said. 
Not, not a message proclaimed, not a worship song sung, nothing but simply 30 people, 30 young people praying and said, oh God, would you please? And all of a sudden, I mean, I watched it happen. I was like, what just happened? It was the power of prayer. And it changed that little community, maybe just a little bit, but it definitely changed them. And I look back on that, and that was one of those moments that, that got a hold of me. The other one, let me give you, I got all kinds of these stories. So then, four years later, I, I went to school, went to college. Four years later, I went back to Chicago, inner city, 51st and diversity. Come on, somebody. Nobody knows where 51st and diversity is. All right, it's a hood, okay? And so we went there, and there was a church called Evangel. And Evangel was the place that I was doing my three-month internship. And when I went there, I, I thought I knew everything. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, I was all of 23 years old. I knew everything, maybe 24 at that time. Had a couple kids. You know, I, I mean, I had it all figured out. And I get there, and, and, and I walk into Evangel, and I'm trying to look forward to my summer internship. And, and the first thing that the pastor says, is says, well, you have several assignments, but your most important assignment is to work with the intercessory prayer team. I'm like, okay, I'll lead these guys. I'll show them what's up, you know. Kind of <laughs> man of faith and power, you know, I'm going to show them what's up. <clears throat> and so I go in, and I... I find out that the intercessory prayer thing goes from 9 to noon every day, Monday through Friday. Now, at that point, I was struggling to maybe pray consistently 15 to 20 minutes a day. Come on, somebody. Right? And I just got enlisted for three months to pray from 9 to noon. And so I walk in there, and I I, I thought I'd just been given a death sentence. I thought I'd been given a, a death sentence of prayer that somehow I had to hang out. And, and to top it off, none of the people were under the age of 50. They were just old, you know. And if you're over 50, I'm 50, so I can say that, all right? <laughs> and so, so they were just an older group of people. But, so they'd walk in. Some of them would hobble in. Some, you, know, you know, this kind of thing. And they'd get in there, and there's about 30 of them. 25, 30 of them. And they'd gather in a room about this size. And, and they'd come in and they'd be nice. And they'd say, hey, Troy, you know, and it was all nice and, you know, kind of sweet, like you're having a conversation with your grandma and your grandpa. And then, and then it would start. Nine o'clock, they'd get in there and, and, and they'd always do the same thing. They'd kind of gather and they'd talk about a few things for a few minutes, and maybe five, ten minutes about maybe what the Lord has put in their heart in Scripture or whatever. It'd be pretty short. And then they, they would go, and they would all find their spot. And they all kneeled. They all kneeled. They all got down, and they kneeled at a chair. They kneeled down. And then they had this little tiny transistor radio. I mean, we're talking that big that was for this whole room. And they'd put it up there, and you could barely hear it. And it'd have some kind of hymns on it or something. And it'd be off. The, and then they'd kneel down, and they'd start going like this. Oh, God, we love you. And I could hear, oh, God, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're so worthy. You're so worthy. You know, it'd be just this real soft, kind of almost whimsical kind of prayer. And then you'd start to hear it kind of start picking up 30 minutes into it. They'd say, oh, God, we love you. Oh, God, you're worthy. 
Oh, God, would you please? And they'd always step into this, would you please? And then, then another 30 minutes, that would happen. So we're an hour into it. All of a sudden, I start picking up. They say, oh, God, we need you, God. We need you, God. We need you, God. And they would cry out for God's presence. They would cry out for him to meet them there. They would cry. And they would just, before you knew it, all 30 of those people, they were, oh, God, oh, God, would you please? Oh, God, would you hear our cries today? Oh, God. And usually, and I can almost guarantee you, by about the time we got to that point, God would show up. He would show up big time sometimes. And you'd hear these old people and they'd just be bawling. You'd hear them bawling for the kids that walked by the front door of the building. You'd hear them bawling for the people that were broken and, and didn't know where they were going. You'd hear them going, oh God. And they would weep 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 and they would weep, they would weep for a whole hour. At first, I thought, man, this is the stupidest thing in the world. But then I understand that they were tep- stepping into something that I had no clue about. And it was the power of prayer. And by the way, that church today is a rocking machine for the king in that community. And I believe it goes right back to those 25, 30 people that were willing to give their lives for prayer. And so when I stand up here before you today, and, and I, Brent, where, where did Brent step out? Brent, wave at me. I always give him one advice, and he's stepping out, is in all you're getting, in all you're getting, get unction. In all you're getting. Because the most important thing that will change your life isn't something, it's someone. The most important thing in your life isn't something that you know. It's someone who is with you. The most important thing in your life is that you would get unction above everything else, that somehow, some way, there would be power in your life that is not your own, but has been given to you by God. Oh, God, would you please? It's the power of prayer, is that God would move through us. And so when I say we're going to talk about prayer and fasting, I'm not talking about some churchy religious thing. I'm talking about the thing that changes everything. The thing that rocks the world. That is woven between every page of the stories of scripture like nothing other than, than this idea of prayer and fasting. So here's what's happening. Man, I took, t- is that clock broke? I think that took me 10 minutes. All right, you guys are going to have to listen quickly. Can you listen quickly? All right. So, so today, here's what's happened. We're kicking off our 21 days of fasting and prayer. Somebody came to me yesterday at Saturday morning and said, I've been doing it for a week. I was like, great, for you, it's a 28 days of prayer. It's awesome, right? I mean, so, but today, you know, and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, do I, do I start now? Or I always start 6 o'clock, and I go to the 21 day at 6 o'clock, all right? That's how I do it, because I want to be able to eat wings at the Super Bowl. Come on, somebody. <laughs> all right? Gotcha. All right? So, so, so we're kicking this thing off, and, and, and here's, here's a simple question. Why? Why do this? Is it to do some religious duty? And the answer is no. It's not a religious duty. 
It's, it's not some religious thing that I'm going to do. If you think that prayer and fasting is a religious thing, you've totally missed the point. It's not religious. It's relational. It's all about this idea, because here's the real answer. Because more than anything, we need God. More than anything in our marriages, we need God. More than anything in our families, in our finances, in our homes, in our church, in our communities, in our state, in our nation, we need God. More than anything. And so prayer and fasting is the pathway or the the opportunity that you and I have to connect with this awesome, incredible, majestic God who is able to do anything. It's our opportunity. He's inviting us. It's an invitation from God to be a part of something so big and so grand as the redemption story of humanity and the redemption story of my own life. God's inviting me. So here's what's going to happen over the next few weeks. I just want to highlight a few things. We've we've actually put together a prayer guide, so I'm excited about this. Give it up for the office team. Come on, this is a lot of work. Um, So in here, how many say, I have no idea how to pray at all. You know, like, I have no idea, right? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm assuming a lot of us do. And so in here are about seven or eight different models of prayer. There is a prayer list in the back. There's opportunities for you to journal. There's all these different things in this prayer. You're going to receive one of those when you leave today, personally, so you can be a part of that. That's, that's one thing. Here's another thing. In your handout, there's a little card that says, SMP Flight 100. I believe that God wants us to bring as a concert of prayer, just like those 30 kids did on the stage, for us to come on the next three Saturdays as a church together to pray. Saturday morning prayer, Flight 100, would you make that commitment? And you can check the little box that says, man, I'm in for all three weeks. Maybe you've got a day that you have to be somewhere else. But if it's a matter of just you unable, I get it. But if it's a matter of you being unwilling, come on, come on. And so that's an opportunity for you to join in Saturday morning prayer. And during this Saturday morning prayer, I'm going to be teaching each week at the beginning of the prayer time about prayer. Okay? So the next three weeks, we're going to be doing that. So that's going to be happening. Here's another thing, is that we're going to be showing the War Room movie today. How many of you seen the War Room movie? Okay? How many of you think it's a great movie? <laughs> right, hands still up. It's an amazing movie, and it will challenge you relationally, and it will challenge you spiritually. It will encourage you, and we're going to be showing it right here. We paid for the rights to be able to show it publicly, and so at 4.05 today, come back and be a part of the, the war room. And then the prayer boards in the back corners here, and you should. They're at the table. Here's what's going to happen. Is there's a little thing that looks like this. Isn't that cute? That's... I think that's a luggage tag. Get it? Flight 100. Am I right? Is that? Am I? Okay. Somebody's nodding their head. Either that or it's just a piece of paper with a string on it. I mean, <laughs> um, but, but on one side, write my prayer. Write it out. On the other side, you're going to write my fast and describe maybe what God is calling you to fast. Okay? So all these things are connected to this idea of 21 days of fasting prayer. So let me, let me, I got about 10 minutes to run through about 30 minutes of message. Are you guys ready to take some notes? Okay. All right. So why is prayer and fasting such a big deal? Okay. Why is it such a big deal? And I've already talked about a few things, but here, here's some real solid thoughts. First of all, prayer and fasting moves the mountains in my life. Prayer and fasting moves the mountains. 
In other words, we all have obstacles that stand in the way of our storing with God. Prayer and fasting is the opportunity to move the mountains. Check out this verse that Jesus gave to his disciples in a mountain context. He said, Matthew 17, verse 20, I tell you the truth, if you had faith, trust, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, whatever your mountain is, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Let me ask you a question today. What's your mountain? What are you facing that God, only God can change? What's your obstacle? What, what is it that's in the way? Because prayer and fasting is your opportunity to see the mountain moved. Here's the second thought. Prayer and fasting is a statement of dependence, of our dependence. Sadly, many of us are in a state of independence. We're very independent. That's our culture. We're very independent. We have a declaration of independence. <laughs> Some of us have made that our life statement. I'm, I don't listen to anybody. I do my own thing. You may not say that, but that's how we live our lives. And see, prayer and fasting is actually a step, statement of our dependence upon God. And check this out. An unwillingness to pray is actually a sign of spiritual rebellion. An unwillingness to pray is actually a sign of spiritual rebellion. It is saying, I am independent of God. I don't need you. I don't need you. That's what I don't pray. Or, and there's another category, that, that this lack of prayer maybe is a statement of our spiritual immaturity. I don't understand the importance and the power of prayer, but I just told you about the power of prayer, so now you do. So now you have a choice. And so, you know, I have to gain this understanding of God's power and authority in prayer and understanding its dependence. So here's, here's another thought. Prayer and fasting is the process of putting our body, soul, and spirit in the right order. In the right order. It's not some kind of penance that I'm going to pay. It's, it, it's not that I'm paying God for a favor. I'm going to pray and fast and God's going to owe me. That's not it. It doesn't work like that. God owes nobody anything. And, it, and it's not fasting isn't a time to diet even though... I get that. I mean, I put on 3.6 pounds in the last two and a half weeks. Come on. Don't act like you guys don't know what I'm talking about. Man, I've eaten serious amounts of cookies over the last few weeks. Fasting in January is not the answer to my diet problems, okay? By the way, fasting without prayer is actually called Jenny Craig. Still working on some of my Christmas jokes. <laughs> Instead, it's reordering our spiritual lives. That's what it is. Fasting and prayer is this opportunity to reorder my, my spiritual life, this body. Here's, and here's the, the simple of it, right? We, each one of us are made of body, soul, spirit. When we give our lives to Christ, our spirits are made alive. We're renewed in our spirit. But the body and the soul of who we are is still very active with a fallen nature very real. It's the battle that we all fight. It's the wrestling match that we're all in. And so what then happens is many of us are under the control of our physical desires or our cravings, cravings, the body. I'm hungry. I want this. I mean, and there's this physical desire. And some of us are under the control of our emotions, our wills, and our own intellectual desires. In other words, that's how I think. That's my opinion. That's my feeling. That's our soul. But... God wants us to be under the control of our renewed spirit. 
And so fasting then becomes this opportunity for us to train the body and the soul to come in line with the Spirit. It's an opportunity for us to reorder, if you will, how we're living our lives. Instead of living according to the body or instead of living according to the soul, I'm going to live according to the Spirit. And I'm going to train or teach or old King James. I'm going to buffet it, not buffet. I'm going to buffet it into subjection. That's what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 9. That's what Paul says. He said, I discipline my body like an athlete trying to do, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, check out what he says. I fear that after preaching to others, I might be disqualified. He's saying, man, this is such a big deal in my life that I get the order of who I am spiritually right before the Lord. And this idea of prayer and fasting is woven through this all the way. So that the spirit, the renewed spirit of who I am in Christ is what leads the way. So that's why prayer and fasting is so important. So, and again, we live in a day when we're all, many of us are following our own feelings, our own opinions. And its reason is, is we have allowed the body and the soul of who we are to determine the direction of our lives for so long, we can't give way to the spirit. I.e., that's why fasting and prayer is so important. It reorders that. So, let me move on. What does prayer and fasting provide for us? Provide for us. Let me give you five things real quickly. First of all, it provides a much-needed change of heart. A much-needed change of heart. Second Chronicles, say it with me. Second Chronicles 7.14. It says, if, important word, because that's the decision, am I willing If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, put into subjection the body and the soul, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, two key words, if and then, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. What does healing their land mean? It means it's going to heal the hearts of the people. It's going to restore the heart of the people to who we should be. I'm just going to say it as plain as I can say it. Our nation needs a change of heart. Our nation needs a change of heart, and it can start right here with us. That we need a change of heart. We, we need God to do something big and powerful. Our homes need a change of heart, and only God can change us. And when we pray and fast, we are dependent upon God to heal our land and change our hearts Because that's what God does if, if I lay myself out before him. So prayer and fasting goes beyond legislation, beyond behavior, and it opens the heart to God. Here's the second one, is it provides us with wisdom for the future. I mean, you could use a little direction, (laughs) a little wisdom, a little insight. And here's an interesting couple of thoughts. Saul's conversion in Acts chapter 9. I'm just giving you some illustrations from Scripture here. Acts chapter 9, verse 9 and verse 18. It's, and this is what was happening. He was actually blindly going after and attacking Christians. In other words, his life was a blind activity after blind activity, even though he thought he had all the answers. God shows up and re- gives him a very quick dose of reality. And it says that he was blinded. And here's the verse. It says, he remained blinded for three days and did not eat or drink. He was fasting and praying. (laughs) He was crying out, Lord, I can't see. 
And it jumps forward, and it says that somebody came, in, Ananias came, and prayed for him, prayed over him, and notice what happened. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. In other words, in the context of prayer and fasting, wisdom came alive. Wisdom came alive, and he was able to see. And, and so, just an incredible idea. And so then, jump down to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. This is the church. They're all gathered together. They're praying. They're seeking the Lord. It says, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and, say it with me, fasting, the Holy Spirit said, very interesting little phrase, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. And here's the point that I'm making about wisdom and prayer and fasting. is in the context of fasting and prayer, often the Holy Spirit speaks to help us discern the opportunities that are before us. When I'm in prayer and fasting, all of a sudden I get this idea, this is what God wants to do. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying. This is where he wants us to go. And we get that incredible sense of wisdom for the, for the future. And by the way, for the record, not every opportunity is a God opportunity. We need wisdom for the future. Not every open door is God's open door. We need to be able to discern that. Here's the third one. And that is to provide freedom from the things that entangle. To provide freedom from the things that entangle things that wrap themselves around us that we can't seem to find freedom from. See, prayer and fasting opens the door for freedom, and many of us have strongholds of bondage in our lives. We have experienced the forgiveness of heaven. Hear this clearly. We have experienced the forgiveness of heaven, but we have not experienced the freedom of heaven. That somehow, some way, we're missing out on the great part of what God wants to do in our lives. I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying it to us. And see, prayer and fasting is this opportunity to find freedom from all those things that entangle us. It provides opportunity for the addiction to finally be broken. Whether it be a substance, whether it be a behavior, finally, it's broken. It's in prayer and fasting that those things often are broken. From from emotional entanglements, they can finally be broken. From depression, discouragement, anxiety... All of these can be broken in the context of prayer and fasting. I was thinking about it, and, and I'll, do this, I'll tell this story real quickly. Uh, you know, several of you know our oldest daughter, uh, be 13 years ago now, 14 years ago, was killed in a car accident when she was 16. And, and I've always battled with depression. It's been, I'm always, I've always been a half-empty cu- uh, cup guy. Matter of fact, this season is a hard season for me because the holidays kind of mess me up and I don't get enough sun and, you know, I need to probably lay in my back room, you know, not quite naked but close to it and let the sun hit me so I can get some of those rays. You know what I'm talking about? And and so, so Tess's death catapulted me into a deep depression. I mean, I was, I was deep in depression. It was the, the darkness I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to do anything. I was having anxiety attacks. I was actually getting sp- uh, invitations to speak and to go and speak to churches and do ministry. And I would literally, I had to call ahead on two or three different mornings and say, I can't do it. I couldn't do it. 
I remember driving towards Norfolk one time and having to call the pastor an hour before I was supposed to speak and say, I can't do it. Because of depression. And I was doing like this for a year, year and a half. And I mean, it was like heavy. I mean, I was like, man, I can't get out of this. And so finally, I don't know what to do. And, and so I, I took a whole day and I went away and I prayed and committed myself to the Lord. And I sat there for a whole day in Kansas City and, and I was writing notes down and I was just saying, oh God, and I was crying out. I was saying, God, I'm, 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 I'm mad at you. I'm, I'm upset at you. Where, where have you went? Why did you leave me alone? What, what's going on? Help me to get out of this. I mean, I'm just complaining to the Lord, which by the way, sounds a lot like the Psalms, which are prayers. And I was crying out to him and and I remember I had, I had a, a time at the end of the day where I had to meet with a group of people for them to pray for me because I wanted healing. And they asked, me, they asked me when I got in line for the healing group, what do you want to be healed of? And I said, I need to be healed of depression. I'm overcome with it. I can't do this. And I remember what happened. I walked into the room and God knew exactly what had happened that day. I walked in that room and I sat down. It was an older couple. And they said, be, tell us your story. And I said, well, my daughter died, and I'm really depressed, and I'm angry, and I'm, I don't want to have anything to do with God. I'm having anxiety attacks, and I can't seem to get anywhere. And they start bawling. <laughs> I'm like, this is my story. What are you doing? I mean, you know? And they start bawling. And then finally, they kind of gathered themselves, and they started talking. God orchestrated this moment in prayer because they had lost a son in a driving accident when he was 18. And all the things that I was sharing with them, when I was sharing them, they were reliving them. And they began to pray. And they began to pray. And like water being poured out over somebody that was dirty to the bone, God was pouring out water over me in prayer. It was in that moment that freedom came. And here's what happened. The wound that I had that day, very real, was covered over by God's salve. And the salve of the wound, and, I, and every time I say it today, it still messes me up. As though you slay me, I will trust you. How ironic to what we're talking about today. Though you slay me, I will trust you. And I can look back at that moment and realize that in that moment of prayer, in that moment of fasting, in that moment of dedication of my life to him, there was healing. Not perfectly, but from that, it was healed. And see, some of us, we need that, and prayer and fasting is what is provided and provides our healing. Here's, here's, oh, here's the scripture. And when, oh, man, I got to go quicker. I got to go fast. And when he came, had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, we could not cast it out. And so Jesus said to them, why can't we you know, get rid of this mountain? Why can't we get rid of this thing? This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And for some of us, the freedom that we desperately need is just around the corner in prayer and fasting. Here's, here's the fourth and the fifth one real quickly. It's, it provides security for the journey. 
There's a story about Ezra where there was a fast and, 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 and it was God, he was praying and fasting that God would protect them as they journeyed through a very dangerous time in a very dangerous place with literally millions and millions of dollars worth of gold and silver and other possessions and his family. Security. And you can read it, Ezra chapter 8. Here's the next one. Provides us strength in the, for the spiritual battle. For, for people don't, many of us, we don't even realize that we're in a battle. God provides us strength. And I, I would encourage you to read through the stories of Daniel and read through this idea of, of Ephesians chapter 6, that we're in this battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but there's this principality thing. There's something that happens spiritually that's big. Prayer and fasting gives us this strength. And so let me close with these Simple thoughts of invitation. Here's the invitation for you during this 21 days of prayer. Number one is pray first. Pray first. Before you do anything, pray first. Before you make a decision, pray first. Before you launch into something new, pray first. Before you have an important conversation, pray first. In every situation of your life, pray first. Before you send that email, pray first. Before you send that text, pray first. Before everything, pray first. And here's why. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Pray first. See, today we're experiencing a moral decline like never before in our country. And I believe in part it's because we have neglected the pray first attitude in our decisions and our situations. We are doing our thing and then we're hoping that God can come in and clean it up. Pray first. It says in 1 Timothy, Paul telling Timothy, the first thing I want you to do is pray. That's the first thing I want you to do. Here's the second one. Pray always. Pray with persistence. Don't give up. Don't just pray once. I, I hope, I'm going to be very honest with what I hope happens. You make a commitment this Saturday morning prayer for the next three weeks, and after that you say, you know what? I'm going to keep doing this because I believe God's not quite done yet. He's going to just continue to do that. I pray first. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, never stop praying. Here's the third one. Pray expecting. Pray expecting. God, you're going to do something. Nothing's impossible for you. Matthew 7, 7 says, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on with it. You will receive what you ask for in accordance with the Father's will. That's the whole textual idea. And then the last one is commit to a fast. Joel called the people to a fast, and I'm going to call you to a fast today. It says this, declare a holy fast. A holy fast. There's a, there's, there's a context there. Call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord. It's important that we gather together. I know you pray on your own, but it's really important that we gather together because it shows that we're all in this together. It's important. It says, come together. Come, <clears throat> excuse me. All who live in the, house, in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. So let me give you, and by the way, I think there's a sheet. I think it's in there. I didn't have enough room. There's like a whole sheet of why fast, how fast. Let me fill in your blanks really quickly. Four types of fast. Choose one. Complete fast. It's water only. Obviously, if you never fast, this probably isn't the place to start. Okay? You know, water only. Maybe you want to do that for a day. Maybe you want to do it for three days. 
I mean, you can survive. Your body might tell you you're dying, but you will survive as long as you have water, okay? Select fast. It's like a Daniel's fast where you're not going to eat certain kinds of food, sweets, or you're just going to eat, no, you're not going to eat any sweets, meats, or breads, or any kind of luxurious foods for a certain time. I'm going to actually do this. That's, that's my fast this time. A select fast, a partial fast, which is maybe you're going to do one meal a day or one day a week or sun up till sundown, or you're going to do a soul fast, which is, I think, really important. It's like things like TV, things like social media. Some of you, you need to put Facebook down so you can get face-to-face with the king. You need to put it down. They'll, they'll survive for 21 days. I guarantee it. You'll survive for 21. You might even be better after 21 days, okay? Just put it down. Social media, certain activities, you know, getting up earlier could be one. Biblically, it actually talks about refraining from sex, which I don't think is the Lord's will. (laughs) But it does talk about it. (laughs) Tongue-in-cheek, I joke, but it is actually in there, all right? And so it's this idea that you're going to you know, maybe video games, or there's, it, it's a soul fast. You're going you're gonna to with, withhold from your soul and your body so your spirit can have an opportunity to grow, reordering. And so here's all you need to do today is you need to fill out a commitment card to Saturday morning prayer, Flight 100. It's in your little thing. Just fill it out. Check the, you say, hey, I'm in it for all three weeks. I'm going for it. Maybe you can do two of them, but we're encouraging every. Make a fasting commitment, and then last, a prayer request on the board, because we're going to pray over them every week during Saturday morning prayer. And come to the war room today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you've given us an opportunity to come before you. Lord, your word says that we can come boldly before your throne. Not because of who we are, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And Lord, maybe in this room today, we've come in and we've kind of been more independent than dependent. But yet, God, in this moment and in this short message, you're challenging us to be dependent on you. To reorder our lives according to the Spirit instead of according to our body and our souls. Lord, that you would have your way and you would do things like change our hearts and give us wisdom and Lord, do all the different things that we just talked about today. God, we're desperate for you. So, Lord, we invite you, God, to come into our lives, and we respond, and that's that's my prayer today, that we would respond and say, yes, Lord, we will seek you. Yes, Lord, we will pray and fast. Yes, Lord, we will look for your hand to move in our midst, in our marriages, in our homes, and in our families. Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.